It's hard for most people to understand how one human being can kill another, but even harder to grasp is when the same person kills multiple times. In this list, we'll be taking a look at some of the most heinous serial killers of all time, some who are not so well known, but all who were not content or affected by murdering once, and continue to kill over days, months, and years. All of the murderers in this list have monikers that fit in their horrendous crimes and were motivated by reasons they considered to be important that the rest of us find abhorrent. As with these longer lists, we only outline the crimes, so if you want us to go into more depth, then we'll be posting a poll over on Patreon for our Patreon members to select which one of these five serial killers we will cover in an in-depth documentary. Head on over to Patreon at the end of this video to take part in the poll. For just $2, you'll not only be supporting our channel, you'll also get access to our backlog of Murderous Minds and Minds of Madness documentaries. There are hours and hours of exclusive content over on Patreon, so if you enjoy our videos, want to support us, and want access to uncensored and non-watered-down serial killer videos, then head on over to Patreon. The Gainesville Ripper Most people have heard of the 1996 slasher movie Scream, but few will have heard of Daniel Rowling, the real-life serial killer and inspiration behind the film. Rowling was born in Louisiana on May 26, 1954. His father was a police officer, never wanted children, and Danny's childhood was not a happy one. As a teenager, Rowling was arrested a few times for robbery and spying on women, and as he got older, he had trouble holding down a job. He later progressed from robbery to murder. In the early hours of August 24, 1990, Rowling broke into the apartment of 17-year-old university students, Sonja Larson and Christina Powell. He killed both students in a brutal and terrifying attack. The next day, he broke into the apartment of 18-year-old student, Krista Hoyt, and waited for her to return home. He mercilessly killed Krista in a similar way to Sonia and Christina, later returning to cut off Christina's head and place it on a shelf facing her corpse. Two days later, on August 27th, Rowling broke into the apartment of 23-year-old Tracy Pauls and her roommate Manny Tapoeda, also 23. Rowling killed Manny after a struggle and then killed Tracy after she came to investigate the commotion. He then posed her body similarly to his other victims, but he left Manny the only male he killed as he was. All the women he killed bore a striking resemblance to his mother. Despite huge media coverage, Danny Rowling was only caught after he was arrested for an unrelated burglary charge. During his police interview, he confessed to the most horrific student murders in Florida's history and was unmasked as the Gainesville Ripper. On November 1991, Rowling was charged with five counts of murder and sentenced to death. He was executed by lethal injection on October 25, 2006. The Morehouse Murders one of the most gut-wrenching crime sprees in Australian history was the Morehouse murders, committed by Catherine and David Burney, 
The couple claimed their first victim on October 6, 1986, when they persuaded 22-year-old Mary Nielsen to go to their house on 3 Morehouse Street in Perth to purchase some cheap tyres. When Mary arrived, she was held at knife point and subjected to horrific abuse by David, watched by Catherine, before being taken to Glen Eagles National Park, where again she was tortured, before being strangled and stabbed in the heart. The Burnies then buried Mary in a shallow grave and parked her car near police headquarters. This was the start of a brutal killing spree, where over the course of five weeks, they murdered and tortured three more young women, holding them captive before slaughtering them and forcing them to call or write letters to friends and family, saying they were fine and giving false accounts of their whereabouts. However, their final victim, 17-year-old Kate Moore, managed to escape their clutches and alerted the authorities. Following her escape, the Burnies were arrested and convicted of their crimes. David Burney confessed to the four murders and pleaded guilty at trial, and Catherine was also found guilty and sentenced to four life terms. Although the pair were only tried for these murders, it's been rumoured that they were responsible for the deaths of Barbara Weston and Cheryl Renwick, who also disappeared in Perth in 1986. After nearly 20 years in prison, David Burney hanged himself in 2005. Catherine Burney remains incarcerated to this day, becoming only the third woman in the history of Australia to be marked, never to be released. The Black Panther from an early age, Donald Nappy was in trouble with the law and had an unhappy childhood after the death of his mother when he was 10. When he married and had a child of his own in 1960, Donald changed the family surname from Nappy to Nielsen so that the little girl would not suffer the bullying and abuse he had endured because of it. Before his killing spree, Nielsen committed over 400 house burglaries without detection by adopting a different modus operandi every few weeks, before moving on to more lucrative post-office raids. He committed his first three murders in 1974, when he shot dead two sub-postmasters and the husband of a sub-postmistress. Nielsen was later dubbed the Black Panther, after one of his victim's wives mentioned he was quick like a panther and dressed in black. On January 14, 1975, Nielsen broke into the home of the Whittle family in Highley, Shropshire, and kidnapped their 17-year-old daughter, Leslie. He left a ransom note in the house, demanding £50,000 for Leslie's safe return. However, a series of police bungles and other circumstances resulted in Whittle's brother, Ronald, being unable to deliver the ransom money to the place and at the time demanded by Nielsen. Sadly, Leslie Whittle's body was found on March 7th, 1975, hanging from a wire at the bottom of the drainage shaft where Nielsen had tethered her in Bathpool Park in Staffordshire. Nielsen did not physically cause her death. She died of heart failure after falling off the ledge Nielsen kept her on. It is thought initially Nielsen was feeding Leslie, but it seemed a few days before her death he abandoned her. Nielsen was finally caught after he attempted and nearly succeeded in kidnapping two police officers who stopped to question him. In July 1976, Nielsen was convicted of the kidnapping and murder of Leslie Whittle, two postmasters and the husband of a postmistress. 
In total, Nielsen received five life sentences. He died in prison on December 17, 2011, from breathing difficulties. The Teacup Poisoner Graham Young was born in North London in 1947. His mother died when he was a baby, and the upheaval of first living with his aunt, and then with his father, and his new family, deeply affected young Graham. He became very introverted and developed solo hobbies that included a particular fascination with chemistry and toxicology. He also enjoyed reading books about notorious murderers. His father Frank encouraged his son's interest in science by buying him a chemistry set, and rather than playing with his school friends, Graham spent hours doing experiments. So much so, the pupils at his school named him the Mad Professor. As a teenager, Young managed to acquire large quantities of poisonous chemicals, and soon his test subjects progressed to humans. He started serving his deadly concoctions to his family and schoolmates, laced in tea to see what effect it had. In 1961, members of his family and a classmate developed severe stomach cramps. Nobody suspected that Young had anything to do with the mysterious illnesses. They assumed it was some kind of contagious stomach bug. But when one of his sisters was taken to hospital, doctors discovered belladonna, the ancient extract of deadly nightshade in her system. She recovered, but Graham's stepmother Molly was not so lucky, and on April 21, 1962, Molly Young died in excruciating pain. It was found out later that Young had been slowly poisoning his stepmother's tea with antomy, to which she developed a tolerance. The night before her death, he switched to thallium to quicken the process. However, Young's aunt, the one he had lived with as a young child, knew about his fascination with poison and became suspicious. She had him sent to a psychiatrist who recommended calling the police. On May 23, 1962, Graham Young was arrested. He confessed to the murder of his stepmom, as well as the poisoning of his other family members. But due to Molly's cremation, there was no evidence to charge him, so instead he was placed in Broadmoor Maximum Security Hospital in the UK, an incredibly notorious hospital that we should probably do a video on. At age 14, Young became Broadmoor's youngest inmate, and was released eight years later. Once released, Young got a job in a laboratory and willingly offered to make coffee and tea for his co-workers. Before long, sickness swept through the lab, resulting in the death of Bob Eggle in 1971. A second death followed, and nearly 70 employees experienced similar symptoms. Ultimately, Young threw suspicion on himself when he asked the staff doctor why thallium poisoning wasn't being considered a cause since it was used on site. The doctor reported the comment, and the police were alerted. After an investigation, they found Young's diary, in which he described how he poisoned his co-workers. Young was sentenced to life in prison in June 1972, and died of a heart attack in 1990. The Confession Killers Drawn together by shared childhood trauma, Henry Lee Lucas and Otis Toole became lovers, then serial killers, who terrorized America in the 1970s. When they were both arrested for separate crimes, they claimed to have murdered hundreds of people and became known as the Confession Killers. Both Lucas and Toole 
had been raised by abusive mothers who had forced their sons to dress like girls. Both had suffered sexual trauma before the age of 10, and by the time they met, both had already murdered. With Lucas killing his own mother in 1960, a crime he only served 10 years for. In the 1970s, Lucas and Toole traveled extensively across 26 states, but their once close relationship fell apart when Lucas started a relationship with O'Toole's teenage niece, Becky Powell. Toole was so upset that he allegedly killed nine people after the breakup. But Lucas and Becky didn't last long, and after an argument, Lucas killed her, dismembered her body, and scattered her remains in a field in Texas. He also killed the woman who owned the ranch they were living in at the time, and stuffed her body into a drainage pipe. In 1983, Lucas was arrested for possession of a deadly weapon, and once in custody, he began to confess to hundreds of unsolved murders. Around the same time, Toole had been arrested and jailed in Florida for burning a 64-year-old man alive. At last, the killer couple were behind bars, but it was just the start of a bizarre mystery that remains unsolved to this day. Lucas claimed that he and Toole killed everywhere they went. They preyed upon anyone they encountered and shared a mutual love of murder, torture, rape and cannibalism. At first, Toole was reluctant to talk about his crimes, but when he learned that Lucas was taking police on guided tours of their murder sites and enjoying certain privileges, he confessed that together they murdered 108 people, including the high-profile unsolved murder of six-year-old Adam Walsh, the son of future America's Most Wanted host, John Walsh. Toole claimed he decapitated the boy with a machete and drove around with his head in his car for months before tossing it into a canal. Meanwhile, Lucas readily confessed to more than 600 murders, offering grisly detail of the crimes and drawing pictures of them. For a long time, police believed both men, but slowly, with improvements in forensics, their confessions began to unravel. Although, there were some investigators that still believed they were telling the truth. Eventually, Toole was convicted of six murders and died in prison in 1996 of cirrhosis, aged 49. Lucas was convicted of two murders, in addition to his mother, and he died aged 64 of heart failure in 2001, taking the truth about their murder count with them. It's worth noting that false confessions have terrible consequences for both the victims' families and the reputation of the police, and could mean the real killers behind these fake confessions could still be out there. So that's it for this video. That was five truly heinous serial killers that you probably regret learning about. Thanks for watching, stay safe everyone, and we'll see you in the next video.